0: You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Well, once again, he is risen. That is right. That is right. Well, this morning... We uh, we're gonna bring our current sermon series to a close. We've been uh, in a sermon series called "The Path of Glory." And uh, we've been taking uh, the book of Mark one piece at a time, and uh, and today we bring that uh, narrative to a, a close um, from from the book of Mark. And and uh, the main question that Mark, the book of Mark, asks that it addresses is: Is Jesus the Messiah, the Savior? Is he the king of the Jews, right? Mark starts off his gospel by saying in verse one, the very first verse of Mark says this, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. So Mark lets you know where he stands right off the bat, right? And then maybe a paragraph later Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist, right? And God cracks open the heavens and says to Jesus in front of everyone, you are my son, my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. That's the Father God speaking in front of everybody who's around to Jesus. and So right from the beginning, the author of the book of Mark, John Mark is making it clear that Jesus is the Messiah in his opinion. And the rest of the book is divided up into two pieces. Who Jesus is and how he fulfills his role as Messiah. And uh, as we've read in Mark over the last several weeks, Jesus didn't fulfill his role in the way that anyone thought he would. Predominantly, Jewish people believed that the Messiah would come as a military authority, conquer Rome, and be named king. Right, that's what they thought the Messiah meant, uh, but this wasn't what Jesus came to do at all. In fact, Jesus repeatedly told his followers that he came to suffer and die. And when Jesus asked his disciples who they thought he was in Mark eight, Peter, one of Jesus's closest disciples confesses Jesus to be the Messiah. Jesus affirms Peter and then goes on to describe what walking the path of glory, what as the Messiah was really going to look like. He says in Mark 8, verses 31, you don't have to turn there, but it says this. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but but three days later, he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him, for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Jesus is like, Peter, you just called me Messiah, but you still don't get what that means. You don't get it. And Jesus didn't come to lead an army or conquer earthly kingdoms. He came to suffer, be rejected, and die. Jesus came to take our sin upon his shoulders. Even though he was perfect, he put our sin to death on the cross, right? And and he came to open the way to God by being the one and only perfect sacrifice that humanity would ever need. And Jesus did just that. He was rejected and he suffered. Even his own disciples scattered and denied him, including Peter, who we were just talking about, whom Jesus predicted would deny him three separate times before morning. And just as predicted, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. Peter talked a good game, but when it really mattered, Peter failed. How many of us, have let someone you love down when it really mattered. I have. Jesus experienced an agonizing death on the cross. And as he did, he prayed for the ones who put him there. He said, Father, they know not what they do. And Jesus Christ the Son of God committed his spirit into the hands of the Father and died. But thankfully, that isn't where the life of Jesus ends. The path of glory that Jesus walked didn't end in death. Death was just a pit stop. Jesus walked the path of glory through death and back into life. And that is what we have come to celebrate today. Am I right? You with me? You there? We've come to celebrate life. New life, resurrection life, the new life that is accessible for anyone and everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus as Savior. This is our hope. This is our joy. This is our love. Christ is Lord. And it's with that in mind that we turn to Mark 16 which is where we're headed today. The book of Mark is believed by many scholars to be written before the other three gospel accounts. Uh, but Mark's gospel is different from the others particularly in its ending right and you'll see what I mean when we read it but but let's uh, let's read Mark 16 beginning at verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just as su- at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, But the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is not here, He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too afraid." Let's stop there. So you'll notice that verse 8 isn't the last verse of the chapter. And this is what I mean by Mark being different. Uh, everything after verse 8 was added many, many, many years later. The part that John Mark authored based on the account of Peter ends at verse 8 right? And, and, and as I said, Mark is believed to be the first written gospel. And the, and the ending of chapter 16 is basically just a summary of the conclusions of the other gospels. And, and all the scholars pretty much agree that John Mark did not write the ending summary and, and agree that verse 8 is where his written portion finishes, And there are two major camps. Of thought on why Mark 16 ends so abruptly, uh, one camp believes that John Mark actually wrote an ending beyond verse eight, and it was damaged. And, and Scripture uh, wasn't written in a book back then. We know it was it was at, on a scroll, and so they think that maybe the end of the scroll was was damaged somehow. Because when you read it out loud, you had to unroll it. You know that, that that's one camp of thought. And, and uh, the other camp of thought leaders says that John Mark ended it on verse eight purposefully. And so can you imagine if the book of Mark was the only account of the gospel that you had Right? Just think about that for a minute. Like, like let's recap, the, 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 uh, that, like that morning, the women went to the tomb, saw the angel, and the angel said, hey guys, Jesus is alive, go tell everybody. And, and, and verse eight, the, the women fled from the tomb, trembling, bewildered, they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened, the end. Weird, right? Weird, that would be weird. And and whether you believe that that is the ending John Mark intended or the ending is incomplete, that is what we have to go on in the book of Mark. And so we have to go with what we have, right? And so one thing that's very interesting about the ending of this gospel in verse 8 is that it forces us to reflect on what we just read in Mark. It forces us to reflect on everything we've just read that John Mark had written earlier. The book of Mark opens up with that statement I mentioned earlier. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The ending of the book of Mark, because it ends so abruptly, it forces us to consider if we believe it to be true in a way that, that a neatly tied up bow ending doesn't necessarily force us to consider. It it uh it kind of feels like one of those choose your own ending books, like or or a movie that doesn't quite wrap up the ending and, and, and but leaves you in the dark just enough to have to make up your own mind about what really happened, right? And and placing yourself in these women's shoes and asking, would I dismiss the angel? That's telling me Jesus is alive because I'm afraid, and we know that they we know that from the other gospels that they didn't, you know. Um, but this is what we have to go on in Mark. Uh, would I dismiss this angel because I'm afraid, or do I believe it to be true? Right. And if I believe it to be true, how does that affect the next choice I have to make? right? It's actually kind of brilliant, right? But this gospel account is revolutionary. And, and even beyond that ending, uh, let's take a closer look at Mark 16:1 through 8. Saturday evening, right? Let's just set the scene. Saturday evening, after sun went down on the Sabbath, the agonizing wait was over. Finally, was, it was finally at the end, and the women went Saturday evening after sundown to buy spices to anoint Jesus's body with and honor him by properly embalming his body. And while they were still figuring out a plan for how they will remove the giant stone at the entrance of the tomb, they noticed the stone was already moved, The tomb is open, and as they rush inside, and instead of finding death, they receive news of life. The angel told them, verse 6 don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here, He is risen from the dead. Look. This is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. So let's stop right there. Is it me or is this group of women the first people in the Bible to be told to go tell others that Jesus is alive? It, 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 I mean, we don't talk, we don't point that out a lot in the church for some reason. And I don't get it. Like this group of women were the first people sent out to tell others that Jesus was alive. I mean, it's pretty clear that's what happened. The angel didn't have, he, he could have told them, he didn't have to tell them that Jesus was alive. He could have said, go get the disciples and bring them back. And then I'll tell them. But instead, he shares the good news that Jesus is alive with this group of women and then charged them to tell others. That may not sound revolutionary to us, but for this culture in this day, this is wild. In the first century, women were viewed more like property of men. And most of the time, they weren't permitted to speak to a man in public. And during this period of time, a woman's witness wasn't even considered reliable in court. That's crazy. That's mind-blowing. And here, this angel is giving the greatest news in history to a couple of faithful women. When... when the disciples ran and hid. These women stayed with Jesus while he was being crucified. There's, there's no mention of Peter being there, right? And, but these women, were, were, they were there and they witnessed Jesus's agony on the cross. They witnessed his burial in the tomb and these faithful women were the first people to be entrusted to share the good news that Jesus is alive. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me that this good news is for everyone. Not just the religious elite, not just people of the right economic status, not just people of the culturally approved gender, but this revolutionary good news that Jesus is alive is for everyone. Even now, to those who are undervalued by our culture, this is good news. Even now, to those who've lost their way, this is good news. Even to those who have failed Jesus, this is good news. I absolutely love that when the angel is telling the women to go tell the disciples that Jesus is alive, he singles out Peter. Did you notice that? He says, go tell the disciples and Peter. I love that. And, and and remember, we've pointed out multiple failures by Peter. Peter failed Jesus time and time again. Peter scolded Jesus when he shared about the path he had to walk as Messiah. Peter boasted that he would never deny Jesus and then turned his back on him three times. Peter was hiding while Jesus was dying. And it's like this angel is saying, this good news is for everyone, even Peter, Even Peter, even for the one who has failed Jesus, this is good news. So I think the question is, how will you respond to this good news? As the music team comes, The ending of Mark leaves it wide open for you to make up your own mind. Is Jesus the Messiah? Is the savior you need in your life Jesus? Jesus said early in Mark in chapter eight that if anyone wants to be my follower. You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit from? If you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul, is anything worth more than your soul? How will you respond to this good news? Will you follow in the footsteps of Jesus on the path of glory? which means laying your own way down. See, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to get in the habit of searching out everything else but Jesus. I try to fill that place that eats away at my soul with everything else but Jesus, sometimes. But is there anything worth more than your soul? Jesus didn't think so. So, how will you respond? So, with, let's just all bow our heads right now. And it. it I don't know, maybe you're watching online right now. Maybe you're here in the room with us, but I just get the sense that there's someone who needs to pray this prayer of dedication to the Lord. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. It's as simple as that. Jesus, I give you my life. I lay my own way down, and I pick up your life. May I live by your life. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to hear about it. If you're brand new to being in a relationship with Jesus, we want to say this is just the beginning of a beautiful journey that will not be easy, but it will be good. And your soul will flourish. So, Father God, I pray that you seal this time right now. I pray that by your spirit these words that that you've given would sink deep into our hearts, minds and souls, Lord that that it would if you need to use them to convict, Lord, I pray that they're uh inescapable, Lord to by us. Lord, Father, so many times I've let you down and yet Your blood still washes away my sin. I thank you, God. I thank you. Your blood never loses its power. Father, we love you. We say you're beautiful and we honor you here today. Thank you for the gift. That is your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.